0: Welcome to On Texas Football. I'm Bobby Burton, your host, joined by Ian Boyd, X's and O's expert of InsideTexas.com. Uh Ian, we have on from time to time. Uh we've had him on uh drawing on the whiteboard before, showing us plays. Uh also uh was most recently at the Big 12 Media Days uh with Joe Cook and Justin Wells uh as well. Um, Ian wrote an article last week about Oklahoma uh, and really trying to break down what they're uh, expected to do this year uh, and wanted to get some feedback on that. How are you doing today, Ian?
1: Doing good. It's nice to be back up here in the 70s and 80s, weather. Dallas (laughs) is hot.
0: Well, you're in Michigan. For those who don't know, you're in Ypsilanti, Michigan, uh, I believe, which means that uh, you're you're a little bit different uh, temperature than uh, most of us in the in Texas, in the deep south,
1: that is correct.
0: Yeah. Hey, uh, Ian, uh, talk to me about your article uh, last week that you wrote on OU. What were the main takeaways for you?
1: Well, I think um, two two things that really stand out about that game right now are that I don't think Oklahoma matches up very well with Texas next year.
0: On which side of the ball?
1: <clears throat> I, it really, in particular, I don't think they match up well with Texas's skill talent. Uh, the addition of Nayor, Whittington coming back healthy, um, depth behind him with Ajai Hall and Brennan Thompson, Xavier Worthy coming back, and then, of course, Bijan Robinson, Roshan Johnson. There's a lot of guys that are difficult to match up with one-on-one. And if you play them all at the same time and your quarterback can get them the ball, then the defense, you know, you gotta be able to, you got to be able to go one-on-one somewhere and i don't really see guys like that in oklahoma secondary i see a lot of guys that are promising athletes solid players but no one who's a standout and really no one who's actually played well to date in a big 12 game now there's they have guys that everybody's heard of but they don't have anybody that has really shown that they are consistently good defensive back so i, I that that alone right there is a really big problem cuz texas's passing game could be truly lethal next year Uh, we know sark is going to attack him he took him apart last year with fewer weapons than he has this year um so that's that's one thing and then building off that point brent venables a lot of experience in this game loves to throw the kitchen sink at texas quarterbacks in the cotton Bowl. so you you just got to be feeling you know that he'll be he'll be saving up some stuff for Texas that he probably won't show until the Red River shootout.
0: And by that, you mean types of blitzes, that sort of stuff, not necessarily on offense, right?
1: Right. And defensive packages, like potentially entire defenses that he could save for Texas. I I wouldn't be shocked. You know,
0: Texas is a little bit unique in the Big 12 in that they have so many skill weapons. I would think that the only one that comes – Close is likely TCU, right? Um, uh, simply because they have a running they have a running back, but they have a couple of receivers that I think, uh, you know, Quentin Johnson, Jordan Hudson's probably going to be there. They have some upper-class receivers that are good as well. Chandler Morris, I think, going to be good. But um, Texas skill talent, a little bit different category, so that's where you're leaning on. What about the Texas defense and, and what OU's going to have to – have to or want to do to the Texas defense coming from a Jeff Lebby run offense, which is from the Art Briles tree, which as we know, it's power run or throw it outside. I mean, those are the two things basically.
1: Well, they, um, I don't think that he inherited just the ideal situation to run that offense. Um, generally that offense, you want either a dual threat quarterback which Dylan Gabriel is not really a dual threat quarterback. And even if he was, they'd want to be pretty judicious because he's small. Uh, I mean, maybe against Texas, they would run him, you know, as much as they could get away with, but as a general rule, and um, in, in lieu of that, you want a big blocking tight end. And Oklahoma's tight ends that, that they inherited or transferred in are more uh, solid athletes, good pass catchers, good players, but not really that kind of big bruising guy that sets up that, you know, power run game. The whole point what they want to do is spread you out really, really wide and send the receivers out way outside the box so that your defense spreads out, but then just run you over inside. That was, that's the, the simplest explanation of the Bryles offense and what, and what Levy has done in the past. But the, the part where they run you over in the middle, they don't really quite have the ideal personnel for that their running backs are not as scary as they normally are unless these freshmen are, are ready and really good the tight end position is not what you would generally see in this offense and then Dylan Gabriel we mentioned so I, Texas has problems with run defense that they'll have to solve this offseason I'm sure that's you know one of their main priorities but <clears throat> assuming that they've corrected a lot of the glaring problems that they had which maybe we shouldn't assume but if, if they do then that matchup is, is not so scary for Texas.
0: Look, nobody, nobody forgets the word. What do you think was the worst defensive performance for Texas a year ago?
1: I, I would, well, Kansas, I guess. <laughs> well, well okay. Me, okay. How about, they, Ar- how about Arkansas? I'd say Oklahoma, honestly. But okay. Tell me about Arkansas.
0: Where was your okay? My my point is my point here with Arkansas. I thought Texas defense just folded in the second half. The fourth quarter was was maybe the worst performance of a Texas team in the fourth quarter that I've watched in a long time on defense. Okay, they I, they just absolutely folded. That was a Art Briles' son offense that was run by Kendall Briles. I think to your point. They don't have the personnel that Arkansas has from a tight end perspective, but they also don't have that big quarterback that can run people over.
1: Yeah, they may not even have quite the same talent at running back. Uh, they might. It, it's kind of up in the air. But yeah, Arkansas, they could, you know, they had Blake Curran at tight end, his big old kid. Um, obviously, um, that Tyrone swoop sized running quarterback they had too. KJ
0: Johnson, I think is his name. Yeah. I, 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 you get my, yeah, you get my point though is um that's what that, that's a little concerning to me because even though they don't have the same personnel, it's the same type of offense that gave Pete Kwiatkowski such issues a year ago.
1: Yeah. I, that wouldn't, I don't think that really alarms me too much in part. um Texas's game plan probably wasn't really that great in that game. At least they kind of got that out of the way, maybe learned from it. That's, I, think that, I believe that was Kwiatkowski's first time to face that uh, offensive system. And I believe we even reported after the game that he told his defenders, like, I don't think I, I, don't think I game plan that as well as I should have. Um, so I, there's a little bit of hope for you. And then also just from the... Curran and, and Jefferson and, and the Arkansas run game and those big linemen they had to Oklahoma's front, um, I think is a pretty substantial, pretty substantial downgrade.
0: You mentioned Jefferson and I had said Johnson, you're right about that. I'm sorry about that. Um, one, one more piece for you on this OU situation that I want to get your feel on. Um, we've talked about feeling like they lost a lot last year uh, to graduation on defense. So, uh, Brent Venables, does he run a more complicated scheme, in your opinion, than uh, uh, Alex Grinch did at OU? So, the, new, uh, the former defense coordinator now left is who I'm talking about compared to what Brent Venables does. And if that's the case, do you expect them to really be up to snuff and ready to go by the first week of October?
1: That's another big question for them. Brent Venables definitely is more complicated than Alex Grinch. Uh, Grinch was uh, pretty complicated for Texas to figure out with all their movement. And um, apparently pretty complicated for his own players last year, but as a general rule, Brent Venables is much, much more complicated, asks a lot more of his players. That's undoubtedly part of why you're seeing such a big push in Norman for uh, greater accountability and stronger culture is that he's gonna put a lot more expectations on this defense to know what they're doing and um, there is definitely some potential for breakdowns in year one and early in the year. We've seen that from Venables defenses in the past. Uh, Texas generally shouldn't expect a Brent Venables team to come into that game lacking focus, but um, you know, we'll see year one. We'll see what, how, it, how it looks for them getting off the ground.
0: Yeah, you're doing a. You you wrote another article. You're doing a series of articles on opponent on on opponents uh, for uh, uh, Texas this coming year. You just wrote one about Iowa State today on Inside Texas. Um, As you go through this, Ian, what are some of the things that you're thinking right now about the league as a whole, uh, vis-a-vis Texas? Um, Is it a certain quarterback? Is it uh the the experience at quarterback that you think is is big in the league across the across the board what what is it right now that you're seeing that are kind of uh i want to say tenors or ideas overall
1: i think the league is very wide open um not in a sense like a lot of texas fans like to look at the big 12 and say it's wide open i.e it sucks everyone sucks they're all terrible i don't think that's really fair i think it's a lot of good not great teams and now if you are uh texas or oklahoma is clicking at their highest level you should expect to you know roll through and and win comfortably most weeks i don't know if that texas or oklahoma team exists this year right Uh, certainly we have questions for texas and, and i have a lot of questions for oklahoma so what i see is week after week teams that texas will have major advantages over but If they are unfocused one week or they have maybe some key injuries or just things aren't quite clicking, there's a lot of vulnerability on the schedule as well. Um, Probably not a six game losing streak like last year, but teams will gang up on you if you, uh, if you have flaws and then obviously on the upside of the season, if, if Texas really figures things out and they're dicing people up with Quinn, Ewers throwing bombs to, they are, and Xavier Worthy like you'd like to see, then they really have an advantage and the potential to put it on everybody every week.
0: Let me ask you a question. A uh, couple of new coaches in the conference, uh, I guess three, uh, Venables we've talked about, um, Joey McGuire out at Texas Tech, uh, and then uh, Sonny Dykes at TCU. Um, what are your thoughts on that group um, will they make it more difficult for texas to win or are those are does it really change the calculus in your opinion
1: it probably helps texas i think to have three schools that are that resourceful and often troublesome to texas be in transition this season Uh, Long term, all three of those guys, it seems like you can make a pretty good case that that they have a good program, a good plan for getting those programs on a, on a good track. Like Dykes in Fort Worth makes a lot of sense. Venables knows what it looks like when Oklahoma is good. And McGuire has really been impressive with his hires and his recruiting. He's galvanized all of West Texas, you know, behind the Red Raider football team. And they're all asking, you know, why can't why can't we run this show after Texas and Oklahoma leave? But for each, for all three of them, to me, that promising future is a couple years down the line. Uh, maybe, maybe Texas will see it before they leave the league, but I don't know that they'll see it in 2022.
0: One of the things you mentioned that I thought was interesting is you said that if a team has a weakness, the opponents in this conference will, uh, will make you pay a little bit. Yeah, um, I believe that has to do with one that the general quality of quarterbacks in, in the league is pretty high. They may not be super league NFL superstars, but generally speaking, the quarterback in the league, in the Big Twelve, uh, the quarterback play in the Big Twelve has been solid for a number of years. Not always at Texas, but for a number of years across the board. That's number one. Number two, it's the quality of coaching that can take advantage of those things and game plan against it. And then the third one that I think is it's some people think it's overrated to say this, but Texas gets the best shot from everyone because every coach knows that because that's the one game that will definitely help your recruiting. So every coach is going to circle Texas because they know they've got to recruit in the state of Texas. And ultimately, they're going to they're going to go up against Texas. So all of those three things combined, do you do you agree with that? those statements at some level is the coaching really good quarterback play overall pretty good. Uh, and then the emphasis people put
1: on the Texas game itself. I think generally all three of those are very, very true. Um, quarterback has been a little bit iffy the last couple of years in the big 12, but I think generally it's exactly what you're, what you're talking about. It's usually a lot of, uh, three stars from the state of Texas who played really good, spread competitive football in high school and they get to college and they just they know what to do they know where the ball goes and uh, they may not have elite measurables but they uh you know if you have a good receiver they'll get them the ball and if they know how to beat your defense by having a receiver in a certain spot they'll do it and they'll hit them so and i i do think we'll see more of that this year in the big 12 in terms of consistent savvy quarterback play so those are all those are all big ones. Maybe, maybe coaching is the biggest one. The league is uh, the league often has better coaching talent than it has player talent. Um, you know, look at like Mike Gundy, very good for a very long time. Uh, Bill Snyder built Kansas state out of nothing, obviously big eight overlap there. Tom Osborne, Nebraska has no idea how to contend for championships without his, uh, you know, walk on offensive line. Um, Just go down the list. Mike Leach. The league has always been like this, where they have coaches that just know how to squeeze value out of their teams. A lot of that comes down to -to week-to-week game planning. And uh, it hasn't really lost that at all. Like You still have some of the newer coaches still have some of that same uh, genius and flair, like Dave Aranda at Baylor. And um, some of these new guys coming in, like Kitley at Tech. So yeah, it's a league where if, you, if your players aren't ready to just blow the team away with talent at Texas, it's going to be hard for your coaches to do it for you because they're well-matched on, the the, on, the the on the other side of the field.
0: Another question for you. Superlatives in the Big 12. Like, you look around, uh, I think Texas has a super running back group this year. Probably has a super wide receiver group, maybe. I mean, I, I think that's potential. What other groups of players are in that? I, I'll throw one out for you. Baylor has four or five offensive linemen returning. That could be a superlative group after they ran the ball as well as they did a year ago. Any, anybody like that or any positions like that you can think of that you go, hey, this, this group's really strong here?
1: Oklahoma State has those uh, edge rushers. They have the freshman, Colin Oliver, who had like 11 sacks last year. It just came out of nowhere. Beast. Um, they had Brock Martin. I think he had 10 sacks last year. And both those guys ended up playing a lot because they had another really good player named Trace Ford who missed the season with injury, and he's back. Um, so they're probably going to – Derek Mason's probably going to run a 2-4-5 out in Oklahoma State to get two of them on the field at the same time more consistently. That's one of the scariest units in the Big 12 probably is those uh, Oklahoma State pass rushers. Um, Kansas State actually has a bunch of really good pass rushers as well. And um, I think if Oklahoma makes good on their lofty expectations for the season, it'll be because Bill Badenbaugh got a bunch of their young athletes on the offensive line in good shape. Um, They don't really have anyone on the offensive line coming back who is like a a surefire all big 12 player based on what they'd done in previous seasons, but they do have a good number of guys with, you know, real size and athleticism where if they did put it together in this offseason, they could have, you know, no surprise, Oklahoma could have some really good offensive linemen. So that'd be one to watch out for. I think. Um, any other, any
0: other position units um, at Iowa state, they have anybody Texas tech TCU, um, you know what's left in the cupboard there.
1: Baylor, the Baylor defensive line might be the best in the league. They got, I think, all their guys back from last year, and they added a Jackson player from Tulsa. is a really good player. It was part of why Tulsa played good defense the last couple seasons. And um, you know, TCU, they actually have some leftover cornerbacks because they have uh, Travis Hodges Tomlinson is still there, um, and then they had this other guy Noah Daniels that's been good when he plays for like three years now, but he's always injured. And uh, if they finally got him in shape, then they have potentially a pair of, of like peak Gary Patterson type cornerbacks. So that's something to watch. I know you'll watch that because you like TCU in general. Yeah. Uh, I think,
0: I think, no, I think that it's a, I think that the, I, I've always admired how Gary Patterson recruited. It's not that I like TCU as much as I like the guy type of guys he recruited um, and, uh, I, I, feel like as I look across the league, uh, I, I think this is one of those years where Baylor, if you're think, if you think Baylor has the best defensive line in the league and possibly, or probably the best offensive line in the league, Baylor should be the favorite to win the big 12.
1: Yeah, I, I definitely lots of people are making that argument. I think it's not a terrible argument, but they did get so much mileage out of these athletic playmakers they had at the skill positions on both sides of the ball who are now gone. And um, I just do know how easy it's going to be for them to replace those guys. I also wonder, I think their defensive line is definitely good. Their offensive line, I wonder if it'll be as consistently good when people are a little more used to their system. And they're a little less worried about keeping uh Taequann Thornton bracketed deep. You know, like TCU gave Baylor's run game fits last year. And a big, a big explanation for why they were able to do that is they said, we're not going to worry about Taequann Thornton. If you can beat us over the top with him enough, then great. But otherwise it's uh, all eyes on the backfield and, uh, you know, they beat him. So uh, Baylor, Baylor is. I, I, I will be, I will pivot and change course on Baylor if they show some skill, talent, firepower early in the year. But right right now, I I don't. I I'm inclined to discount their trenches a little bit, even though I do think they'll be good.
0: Ian, uh, you wrote about the OU and Iowa State. What do you got next for uh, folks on Inside Texas?
1: Well, I'll be uh, finishing up the schedule, and uh, I'm a little hazy right now on. Who comes up next after Iowa State? I know we have Oklahoma State left and we have Kansas State and those are probably two of the big tough challenging games in in my estimation for Texas and then um, you know as camp gets going we'll really dive into uh, camp position battles which ones really matter uh, what's going to guide or seems to be guiding the coach's decision making whenever they settle on a offensive line configuration and which personnel packages to emphasize there's nobody's going to be lots of fun choices the coaches will be wrestling with in uh offense that we'll get to argue about and you know we'll always be trying to figure out exactly what the plan is for DeMarvion over I think we're closer to understanding what they have in mind for him but we'll see what the fall camp brings
0: got it all right that's Ian Boyd of Inside Texas thanks for your time today Ian uh, always good stuff and uh I know Longhorn fans appreciate it. Uh, For Ian Boyd, I'm Bobby Burton. That's been this episode of On Texas Football.